The following episode contains strong language, sexual and crude humor, references to drugs, tobacco, and alcohol, and scenes of graphic violence. Previously on Masks and Mayhem. So, tell me what you did to piss off the Midnight Gang. Midnight? Midnight Hydra, Crystal Tiger, Vapor Kappa, three of the members of the Midnight Gang. What's your history with the Midnight Gang, then? Back home, they, uh, took something very important from me that I can't get back. And if you can't get it back, then you get even. On the Atlantean refugee town, the floating artificial city just a mile off the coast of Riverside City, Connecticut. Sean Ortega here with Channel 7 News. The Riverside Hive has been successful in drawing back the attack on the Atlantean refugee colony. And she puts her hand to her earpiece. Ah, yes, the Atlantean refugee colony known as Chenpar Atlan. Standing next to you, a very slight blonde woman. Kind of catch each other's eyes. You can call me Megan. I extend the hand. Brock. Ah, uh, well, it was it was wonderful getting to meet all of you. All right, I, I gotta go. Bye. There's something about her. <laughs> yeah, there is. You recognize the handwriting as being uh, Dmitry Dragunov. When you pop open the actual crate, its inside is basically like a footlocker um, that you would recognize that you used to have back in Highwind. Brock's maybe shaking a little bit while he like drags this inside. I open up this footlocker and for the first time in years, I look at my costume. And inside is the original Laserhawk costume from when you first got started in Highwind. There's a bit of other paraphernalia, some other little knickknacks. The one thing that you notice is a uh, a torn in half photograph. I pick that up. It's a young version of you standing sunglasses on in the hot desert sun with a bunch of members of Operation Coffee Pot, including a few of your civilian human uh, advisors, including uh, a couple of people you remember. The only one whose name really comes to you at the moment is Ensign Wilson. And you're aware that the torn part is the members that you don't associate with anymore. We fade back into Riverside City. It's many months later after the battle at Chenpar Atlan. It's mid-March of 2024. We're going to go around the table real quick and uh, find out what everybody's been doing these last couple months and particularly what you did around the holidays. Let's start with Laserhawk, who's probably been a busy little beaver. Oh, God, yeah, are you kidding me? If it's around the holidays, then Brock's had some seasonal depression that he's been trying to fight off. Oof. So, I imagine that, yeah, Brock's been keeping himself pretty busy. Uh, first of all, with that Trunk-O-Memories that he got, you know, as part of renovating the Laser Hut, I imagine that he started to build himself, like, a little, almost like a museum corner. Some of the trinkets of, like, bad guys who he's fought over the years, some, like, cool pictures that he has. I imagine that he might even have his, like, old suit hung up on a mannequin there by now. 
So it's very rudimentary at this point. Yeah, very much like the outlines of a bigger plan, but Brock's pretty happy with what he has done with it so far. Uh, Does he have one of King Krakatoa's crowns? Absolutely. And it is on top of the mannequin. Oh, that doesn't seem proper. (laughs) That's where crowns go, dum-dum. No, I mean, it's going right now it's on top of the laser hog mannequin is the problem. (laughs) Well, look, I haven't had Ruby swing through since I've set this up yet, so, you know. I'll have a proper stand for it soon. And what else have you been up to, particularly over the holidays? I mean, speaking of training with the usual crowd, since visiting Highwind and the Underground, and uh, seeing how lonely a certain child's been, uh, maybe trying to be a bit more active about, like, being part of Mosey's life, like video chatting with him and shit more. You know, I'm sure as you've been talking to him, he's kind of just kind of giving you little updates on the Underground. Nothing major of note. We obviously probably still talk a little bit of shot, but mostly with the intent of being a social call. All right, all right. Since uh, Ruby bumped into that one blue speed boy or whatever the hell his name was, that would have got Brock a little curious as to like what other new vigilantes have popped up since he went on his revenge world tour. <laughs> Brock's kind of been trying to do some Googling, trying to, like, start to build up a little bit of a database, and, um, this is something that, like, Brock maybe has worked with, uh, Ruby on, if that's something that Rachel is open to, but this is actually something that Brock would have definitely hit Bethany up about. I, I, that makes sense to me, someone who's really active on the superhero side of social media. Ruby would help where she could, but I think Bethany's more active on social media than Ruby is. Bethany apparently took the chronically online part of Rachel's personality. <laughs> yeah, so you got Bethany Fletcher, B. Fletch, as she's known online. Brandon loves that. Brock hates that. So she's definitely been scaring. Like, there's not a ton. A lot of these folks are, like, fairly underground. They don't necessarily want. They're not as public as a lot of you. They're not so showy. Yeah, there's been rumors, and, and a lot of them, too, not only that, are seemingly low-level. Right, right. There's also been, like, a guy who his whole thing is he can teleport. Specifically, can only teleport to where his hat is. <laughs> that is my fucking favorite thing we've introduced on this show. That is so good. And then also, he could, like, mail his hat places if he wants to get there. That's fucking awesome. Not the dial-up teleportation. A lot of rumor, really. Kind of still hoping to get updates on the whole Brock's powers gone wonky thing. And I forget, you spoke with Kraken about that, correct? I spoke with Kraken, and in the last episode, Miss Shauna Ortega uh, had expressed that she would put some feelers out there for me. Anything that they've brought back has basically been something to the effect of, you're going to have to come in for testing, and like your name's going to be attached to some things, but we can like anonymize it to a degree. So more or less what Brock's been trying to avoid up to this point. Kraken offered to like get you in touch with a contact that you may not want to have know about this. Like some kind of shady doctor who, you know, do things anonymously, but then will have, you know, your DNA and stuff. Yeah, that's not my favorite development either. <laughs> yeah, so not a lot on that front. Mystery lady get back with me yet? In terms of contact, um, she has probably reached out once or twice just to say, hi, are you still in Riverside? There's no timetable laid out. It's all just kind of informational. I'm a fucking vigilante. I can't exactly give her shit for not being a great texter. Welcome to dating in 2023, 2024, whatever year. (laughs) 
Ruby, what about you? What have you been up to these these last couple months since that battle? And what have you done over the holidays? We completely miss what Brock's been up to over the holidays. Brock also had a lovely Christmas with his boy. We made a gingerbread house. And Ruby, what about you? Trying, still trying to do that grind, make some money, working on a couple productions here and there. I think I'm doing room eats in the, right? That's what we said. Because you said you didn't want to have people in your car. Too many questions about the visual van. Uh, you know, it's a little hard to get back for the holidays, but Ruby's sister came up for a couple of days that happened to coincide with Hanukkah. And then her and Rickard and maybe Bethany and whoever was in town had a, a Christmas. Uh, I think maybe after the holidays, you know, you started getting pulled into things again. A couple of people reached out and they asked if maybe you'd be interested in just like editing so they don't have to fly you out for something necessarily. Yeah, willing to do that. Uh, willing to do things for people who will pay me money because uh, being a superhero doesn't pay shit. Damn, visual visual aid's going to be selling foot pics. Um, oh, thank God you made the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could make any feat you wanted. What the fuck? <laughs> so, all right. Well, it sounds like you had a lovely little holiday and you're, like you said, doing that grind, spending time with Rickard. Yeah, I s- still doing some superhero stuff this point in her life she's never like not being visual aid unless she's like out of town and then yardak what have you been up to during the winter months which are not exactly i imagine a uh, a specific atlantean holiday time you'd be surprised oh after seeing what his fellow atlanteans have built for themselves at uh, chenpar atlan uh yardak and yardama went back to spend the holidays with his people and after spending the last handful of years on land, he's enjoyed their normal festivities, but he hasn't had a chance to partake in his traditional Atlantean holiday customs. To really make it a holiday like he remembers, he also invites his mom to come up and stay with them at the colony to finally get to spend a good bit of time with her. And to have Yardamo finally, like, quote unquote, meet the parents in a fully official capacity. And on one of the nicer days when it was still really cold, but it like, you know, like a sunny winter day. He finally got the approval of the elder at Champar Island for Shauna to come out to visit them in a non-life-threatening capacity to do a sort of like human interest piece on the people that are living at the colony. Let's roll a persuasion check. Your, your mother, Ulavala, her and Yaradamo seem to get along really well. Um, she's very impressed with what's going on at Chenpar Atlan. Like, she's not looking to leave Atlantis, but she's just happy to know that the people that have left are not suffering that they're seemingly coming together and working well together dirty 20 shauna's piece goes over really well with the citizens of riverside like they've been a little hesitant about having like you know essentially a refugee camp right right off the coast but now that they are getting to know you all more and, and more people are coming to land um they're excited about it you see like a small coffee shop with like an atlantean flag like on the door yeah with your mother going and with Yaradamo, he went back and like kind of dropped off those rogue Atlanteans from the battle. Mm-hmm. Ula Bryn sends you a gift to remind you of home. Mm-hmm. She sends a contingent of the Sisterhood of Brahm, who every year on Brahm's Day, the Sisterhood has a parade that they do. And they're otherwise a very plain and uh, rather meek group. Like, they don't really get out. They're not uh, boisterous. They're not public except for Ula Bryn, who's their leader. But on that day, they go all out. They, instead of having, like, their normal gray robes, it's a bright red robe. There's dancing. They're, like, throwing... It's time to fucking party. And so she sends a small contingent so that they can do one of those at Chenpar Atlan. Nice. Cute. I like that. Actually, can Ruby come to this? This sounds fun. Yeah, my friends are invited. 
with especially with how well that persuasion check went, we'll say, yeah, you're absolutely able to. You're allowed to bring like a small group. You can't bring like everybody. Yeah. And also like I want the Atlanteans to know that like they're not fucking alone. Brock will not be going. I did not make a great impression. But if her, I said Ruby's coming, it's probably she's probably there as visual aid. So you just got to see this little demonstration again. It's just out of the sisterhood, which is about 100 members. It's probably only like five that came, you know, because they're not going to send everybody because they also have their own celebration to do. Yeah. So as we fade in on this March morning, it's still winter. It's still cold. I'm going to say that a lot of you are all gathered together. Ruby, you're off from work. You know, you've gotten your editing done. Yardama's not there. So I'd say it's just the three of you and maybe Pam. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Three of us where? the laser hut uh doing some training okay okay and i was gonna ask what kind of training are you doing endurance today pal i'm gonna throw shit at you guys and you're gonna dodge that shit if you can dodge a megasonic missile you can dodge a ball i'm not actually hitting them with a megasonic missile jesus that's not even dodgeball that's dodge or die <laughs> a lot of solar shotguns yeah you have a certain amount of control over it so like a lower wattage let's say yeah, it's kind of like playing airsoft with the boys. Exactly. I'll say Carl is not there currently, because uh, it's a Monday, he's at school. Yeah, it's a school day, he's got shit to fucking do, he can't be hanging out with us, slap nuts. Being a freelancer, which is basically what Ruby is now, is that she's dodging, but also there's like a laptop open, waiting in case someone emails her or something. Okay, okay. And Pam got shot, and she's uh, she puts up the timeout symbol, and she walks over to the kitchen, grabs herself a water bottle. Pulls the helmet off, you know, just kind of drinking, and she's kind of standing around looking at the at the museum spot. All right, that's fine, everyone. Let's get hydrated. Okay, I'm drinking water. I was like, okay, what did you want me to like build for you or make something, some display? Oh yeah, right. Come here, check this out. And uh, I lead Ruby over to the museum area that uh, Pam is already staring at. Yeah, she's kind of staring at the suit, the original Laserhawk suit. Describe it and how it like differs from your normal suit. Because I've always imagined that your existing suit is a, a variation in a way on it. My existing suit is so barely a suit. Like, it is essentially Brock's street clothing with, like, a domino mask on it, right? The actual Laserhawk costume, you know, it consists of, like, spandex, like, coveralls with, like, this big hawk emblazoned on it. Uh, it's got, like, an actual pullover mask with a hood associated with it like these big uh heavy boots it's a superhero outfit it is like the polar opposite of what brock has worn since everyone's met him was that suit left in highwind because like you just took off without grabbing it or was that suit retired before even anthony died no, I imagine that, like, Brock would have taken off without it, without even, like, thinking. Okay. Brock did not feel like Laserhawk in that moment. He wouldn't have thought to grab the suit. And then Yardak, Cafe and Bodega, right when you guys finished up, everyone else is hydrating, they ran up to you, playing with you. What are you doing to play with them? Water balls. Okay. Like, you're throwing them for them to, like, go chase, and then they don't... And, and, they, and they chomp them, and they go, and they have a mouth of water. So they also get to hydrate. I love that. They fucking love that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. And then a few moments later, you're getting a phone call, Laserhawk. Uh, which phone? Uh, it's the Laserhawk phone. <sighs> Laserhawk Incorporated, Laserhawk speaking. Hi, Laserhawk, this is Detective Zoe Shepard. I know it's been a minute. Have I caught you at an okay time? 
What's going on, Shepard? I'm assuming if you're calling me, it's not great news. Yeah, um, I'd like to ask, uh, that you come down, uh, to a crime scene for me. Corner of Weston and Campbell. Alright, I don't want to make it sound like us superheroes just hang out together, but I am with everyone. Should I bring the group, or do you just need me? I'm calling you specifically. I'm gonna leave it to you as to whether or not you want to bring anyone else. Tell you what, one to four of us will be there soon. One to four. Alright, but just to be clear, Laserhawk, I, I do need you to be one of those four. I will be there. Don't worry about it, Officer Shepard. Detective. I'll talk to you later. My bet. Bye. Click. So, Shepard needs me not to be a dick. You guys are optional. What do you want to do? Personally, I'm okay with you guys sticking with your training here. I think it would be good for the three of you to work together without me directly influencing you. You know, if I get knocked out, be good to know that you guys are okay without me playing drill sergeant. Fair enough, fair enough. I want to point out that Yardick and I were fighting crime before we knew you. Together. <laughs> I want to know that you guys can play football without coach. Yeah, yeah, go off and see Detective Shepard. Up, up, and I fucking hate Mondays. Boing. Right as you boing out, I think, is when Hornet walks back into the room and just sees you taking off. Where's he going? Uh, Detective Shepard called him, needed him to come by a crime scene. Oh. Said he wanted us to run some drills, so we knew how to fight crime without him. Even though, again, we have all fought crime without Laserhawk. Yeah, but I don't think I should be the one you point to as an example of that. Because <laughs> my pre-you guys time was, uh, was, uh, le- left some, had, had notes. But the rest of you, I don't get that. Thank you. Pam gets in a stance to start, start training uh, again with you. Instead of water balls with the dogs, I'm just throwing water balls at them. I just, like, make a sword and cut it out of the air. Ooh, yeah, yeah. But I can control them, so, like, I'm gonna make them fly back and then, like, kind of boomerang and come back to you if, like, if they go past you. Ooh, she does one of those moves where she puts the sword behind her back. Ooh, yeah. Meanwhile, downtown uh, in Riverside, Lazock, it does not take you very long to get to the corner of uh, Weston and Campbell. Detective Shepard's kind of standing outside of a, of a nice-looking apartment building. She's kind of following your trajectory as you come out of the sky. Um, before I even hit the ground, uh, do I notice anything out of the ordinary? From the outside, everything looks normal, but you see a couple cops, a couple CSIs, and a coroner going in uh, and out of the building. Land in front of Shepard. Just detect him, Shepard. And it's the middle of the day, so she's taking off her sunglasses as you're landing uh, and puts them in her jacket. Good to see you again, Laserhawk. If you follow me inside, as you're going inside, this is a pretty, a pretty fancy set of apartments like you'd imagine like this is like luxury condos kind of thing all right well how about you fill me in while we walk to the crime scene yeah um yeah we got a call uh from the maintenance person uh this morning uh there had been reports of a reports of a bad smell coming out of one of the rooms and i'm sure you're not surprised to find out that we uh we found a body when he finally got in and he called and reported to us Shepard, you probably deal with a dozen bodies every week. Why does this one need me? You'll see. Um, and you go up a couple flights of stairs as you're talking. How long has it been since you've been at a crime scene? It's been a hot second since I've been to one this long after the crime, but I've been told it comes back to you pretty quickly. All right, I just wanted you to prepare yourself. 
and she goes to open the door and there's a like one of the, the CSIs in there. He's taking pictures and, and what you're presented with is it's a it's a large kind of studio apartment. Nice fixtures, nice, uh, you know, materials and everything. But most notably, right in the center where you would normally expect there to be like a living room kind of set up. It's, it's mostly empty space. This is a very sparsely decorated apartment, like not a lot of furniture. There's a body kind of laying on its back, arms outstretched, like one up and one down. And what's notable about it to you is that there are streaks of blood that are clearly painted coming from the body to form a, a set of bloody wings. As if force a habit, Brock reaches into a pack of cigarettes that's probably been sitting inside of that coat pocket for years, lights it up, and walks into the scene. Uh, and then as you get closer, you realize that written right below the right arm, almost like a signature, just in the blood, says Laserhawk. Fascinating. Super chill. Chill, chill, chill. I was really worried you were going to recognize this body, though. I know, because my whole thing was, like, who is the body going to be? That was my next question. So who's the victim? Let's see here. Uh, sorry, we're still getting all the information. This is uh, Jeremy Wilson. Uh, looks like he just got out of the uh, just got out of the army. Does that name mean anything to Brock? Roll an investigation check. So that's uh, Jesus. That's a fucking nineteen on the die for twenty nine altogether. So the blood had seemed eerily familiar. The outstretched arms, the the pageantry of it had seemed familiar. But when she says the name and starts describing him, and and you uh, you get a flashback. And you recognize this as being, in a lot of ways, a mirror of what happened to Ensign Wilson in the Operation Coffee Pot. One of your non-powered uh, members of the team, kind of just alongside you for missions. As you're staring longer, you're kind of drifting back, and you find yourself thinking about that moment when you discovered Ensign Wilson's body. <sighs> Gotta be honest, Shepard. This is ringing a few too many bells for me. What do you mean? Back in Iraq, I found uh, someone who I worked with very closely and someone who I cared about quite a bit found just fucking like this. Shepard looks very uncomfortable. So you're saying that this was a targeted? Was this a, a message? Who would have done that to Ensign Wilson? You flash back and you're back in Iraq now and you're looking down at Ensign Wilson's body in the sparsely decorated apartment that he kept. And you're surrounded by the other members of Operation Coffee Pot. You see Midnight Hydra, you see Data Kraken, you see Crystal Tiger. And they're all looking at you. Different stages of grief across all their faces because everyone loved Ensign Wilson. Tango Balboa, aka Midnight Hydra, looks at you and goes... Brock, we're gonna we're gonna fucking kill him, right? Yeah. And that's when uh, you get called in to come back to base for a mission briefing, Operation Platypus. <sighs> now we're back with Shepard. So here's the thing, Shepard. I know for a fact that whoever did that didn't do this. Cause who did that in my past? They're dead now. Laserhawk, I um, I'm gonna have to ask as politely as I can that to let you know you're a person of interest in a in a murder case. So, 
I'm going to ask you, you don't leave town. Is there anything else that you can tell us about that previous case? Unfortunately, due to military classifications, my hands are a little more tied here than I'd like, Shepard. It's not the first time I've run into something like that. All right, well, we'll be investigating on this end, of course, but you guys always seem to find your way into information, and with how close you might be to this case, I'm going to have to ask that you give whatever you find to us so that we can make sure Lieutenant Wilson's family here can uh, get some closure. Absolutely. I'm going to ask the same of you. I'm sure you can understand why I'm all of a sudden invested. Okay. Yeah, I just uh, I thought it was best that I show you this in person, that it might bring it back into focus. I appreciate that, Shepard. Um, unless you need me for anything else, uh, I'd like to take a quick look around the crime scene, if that's okay, and then I would like to go. Yeah, yeah, just uh, don't disturb the body. No problem at all. Um... I'm assuming that you guys have taken photographs of the body at different angles. Could I get those so I can take a look at them, see if I can find anything on it? Yeah, yeah, we can get those over to you. We can get your copy. Okay, um, and then am I just going to roll everything as one big investigation check, I'm assuming? Uh, yeah, for the moment, we're just going to do an investigation check. Okay. Um, you're not going to fucking believe me, but I just rolled another 19. Okay, what's that bring your total to? Uh, that's a 29 again. So when you're looking at the body, obviously because of the smell that they were getting, you know, it's it's pretty decayed. The wings that you're seeing, though, look newer than how the body is. Like, they were done significantly after. Okay, and anything that I notice, uh, just for the record, I am going to point out to Shepard uh, on the off chance that they missed it. Sure, and it was pretty obvious from the beginning, but his neck was twisted in such a way, like his neck was broken. Okay, so it doesn't look like he was killed in any particularly post-human way. Possibly, like, some chain had wrapped around, like, there's some imprint in the neck muscles still that show, like, the outlines of, like, a chain. Well, that means something to me, so I'm making a mental note of that. That's awesome. Okay, anything about the room itself? Pretty sparsely decorated, but you do notice that there is a picture on the wall, and it looks to be in Iraq near one of the bases you were stationed. Shepard. And I point to the photograph. You're gonna miss that if I take it? I'm not gonna... I, 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 I don't consider that evidence, so I don't think I can let you take it, but you can take a picture of it. That's fair enough. Click. Uh, alright. Well, then, with a tip of my hat, I get the fuck out of there, and, uh... I think long and hard about how the fuck I'm going to explain this one when I get back to the height. So that's where you're heading? Uh, it's going to be either that or the bar, and I feel like I'm going to get yelled at if I go straight to the bar after this. So yeah, I guess I'm going back to the fucking height. Hey out there, welcome to 2024, people. Hope you're enjoying the Midnight Wars Part 1. We debated including the Part 1, but really if something is called the Midnight Wars and it was a one-shot, that would be very underwhelming. We released another article. Brandon wrote about what Sticky Steve has been up to in prison in the form of a diary entry. We also have a stream scheduled for the end of this month. Brandon will be DMing an adventure for House Van Helsing. 
it's going to dive into the more supernatural and monstery aspects of the Mayhemverse in a different way than we've done previously even, and we'll be having a few guests to join us. More on that next time. Most importantly, we have now kicked off the start of our Ko-Fi memberships. You can still use our Ko-Fi for one-time donations, but if you sign up for a monthly membership, you get cool perks. For just $2 a month, you get access to bloopers, $5 gets you access to episodes a few days early, supporters at the $10 level a month get access to a special livestream game, or even the option to give a player a hero point, and at $25 a month you also get to join us for an occasional game with other members. Each tier includes additional things I didn't even have time to go over. So, if you want to help our show get even better, take a moment to go to ko-fi.com slash mayhemcast. But for now, let's get back to the game. Alright, so you're on your way back to the laser hut. Meanwhile, back at the laser hut, visual aid, and I want Yardak to both roll me some attack checks with whatever attack you think you might be using. I have throw on here, which is not something I usually use, but I think she's trying to work on that. So that's plus, so I rolled a 12, so that's a 15. I think the general goal was you were trying to get closer to Yardak as he's throwing these water balls at you but he just starts going at a higher velocity and a higher rate of pace so that he's able to keep distance. Every time you try to close the distance between the two of you, backs up and he discombobulates you with one. And Pam, meanwhile, is able to kind of jump around and she eventually gets like a flying motion going on and she dodges outside of all of the water balls, Yardak, and eventually spins around and does a two-foot kick towards you, kicks one of your arms, basically, to like spin you around. And she just goes, tag, you're it. <laughs> but I want to, like, as she, like, does that and, like, goes to go away, I take my spear and I use the hooky part to get her ankle as she's trying to run away and I trip her. All right, tag, I'm it then. <laughs> and it's around that time that Laserhawk returns. Yeah, I imagine that Brock looks like he just saw a ghost. I turn around and see Brock. Hey, what, what happened? Rumi. Whiskey. I make a glass of whiskey and I hand it to him. It's a full fucking cup. I slam the full cup of whiskey and I throw it. I saw something that I never wanted to see again today. When I was overseas, we had a non-powered individual working with us. He was a good man. He was killed by... A few of us that went rogue. And I just saw a perfect recreation of how he was killed. Oh my god. How did they know to call you? Because my name was written on the fucking body, Ruby. Oh my god. So... I'm now considered a person of interest. And I am not allowed to leave the city. So... That's about... The last of my worries right now, but it's on there. I. As far as they know, they don't know about Brock, you, like your, your civilian life. Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, the police don't, right? The police don't. Someone knows a lot more about me than they'd like, and now I. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, this is my family. I don't fucking like this one bit. That's completely fair. He starts sitting down without, like, anything there, and Ruby just makes a couch behind him. Yeah, I like that. 
Yeah, I imagine that, like, while all of this is happening, kind of instinctively, I shoot Bev and Carl a instinctive, y'all good text. Bev responds back, yeah, you know, just working for the day, about uh, about to take my lunch break, you know, and Carl just responds back, uh, thumbs up. Also, I guess worth asking, is it a group text or is it separate texts? Absolutely not. These are separate. Because I'm going to follow up with a uh, message to Bev. We might need to talk soon. Yeah, sure, Brock. I don't have any plans tonight. Um, if you want to swing by. I'll let you know if I plan on stopping in. This might be easier face to face. Hope everything's okay. Nope. <laughs> Same to you. I guess with that, I make a mental note to check in on my ex-wife later. How are Yardak and Visual Aid responding to this? I think Pam comes and sits on the couch next to you, Brock. So my plan was to have Ruby sit on the couch with him. That's fine, yeah. Well, all right, so... Yeah, we'll say we sit on either side of the couch with him. And Yardak can sit on my lap. 250 pounds of man right on your lap. <laughs> Look, sometimes that's what you need to feel better. Fucking mood. <laughs> so the lot of you are trying to comfort Laserhog, it sounds like, then. Yeah. Emotional support himbo. Brock, I don't know what to say. I, I'm i so sorry that I can't imagine seeing that and seeing it twice. I'm more concerned that this is going to happen again. And Pam kind of just pipes in. She says, so this is someone you knew or someone who knows about who you knew? I'm a little fuzzy on the details here. <sighs> Operation Coffee Pot officially came to an end when three of our members went rogue. Saw themselves as superior. Saw the average person as something to be subjugated. And they started off by killing as many homo sapiens on base as they could. So wait, is this the, the Midnight Gang? Worse. We called them the deserters. I'm sure they had an actual name. I didn't give a shit to learn it. Believe it or not, last time that me and Balboa ever fought together was taking them down. No, it was... Ashline, Shame Buffalo, Blood Vulture. So you took them down? You captured them? Our final mission was to eliminate the targets. We eliminated the targets. Were there any other members of your team? Could be one of them. The only of us that are still alive are myself, Dana Kraken, who I trust with my life, and the Midnight Gang. The Midnight Gang's all in jail, right? Correct. You captured uh, the last of them, which was Vapor Kappa, uh, in Season 2. I mean, the Midnight Gang's all all incarcerated, unless they're something I'm missing. But even, and I know this is odd since we we fought them many times, and I know they did awful things to you, Brock. But I I don't see them being this needlessly gruesome, unless there's something I don't know about Anthony's death. This is right. That's what Rachel's saying. Balboa took great pride in killing Anthony. Balboa had fun doing it just to watch the pain in my eyes, but, as you have pointed out, they are incarcerated. What has me concerned is that there's someone on the same level of sadistic as Balboa just floating around. Do we have a way to talk to any of the Midnight Gang that are incarcerated? 
theoretically, um, you know, either through union or through Brock's different contacts, you could probably get in either get in touch with them or get in touch with someone who is, you know, with them. It might be good to pull in union. I know they're not your favorite people, but I'm sure they're going to hear about this eventually anyways. Rumi, I'm willing to put aside my pride on this one. Cool. I don't have to convince you. Great. I need to let Bev know what's going on. Of course. Can you get a hold of Union for me? Yeah, I mean, very easily. Alright. I... Thanks. I would say the next thing i probably do is call Rickard. I don't want to be present for that call. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should either go talk to Beverly now or go take a nap, because I'll be honest, you look like shit. I'm gonna go take care of that conversation with Bev. On the way, I'm gonna stop by 11E7, and I'm gonna pick me up one of my go-go juices. Go-go juices. Is that caffeine or alcohol? It's this new energy drink. I, it's it's yummy. It tastes like mangoes. Be beware of the uh, the Panera lemonade. Apparently, it so fucking kills people. Ruby, I'm looking into that Panera lemonade. I don't trust it, and I fly off. There are now two real life restaurants that exist in the Mayhemverse: Panera and Denny's. Uh, Yardak, how are you feeling about all of this? Uh, I'm sad that my friend is sad, but also I'm pissed because I understand that Laserhawk is upset about this, and I'm like, you hurt my friend. Prepare to die. And also, there's a dead guy, and that doesn't make, that doesn't make Yardag feel good. Oh yeah, the dead guy too, but my friend is sad, so now you get to fuck with me. Framing your friend with dead guy is, like, not great. Don't do that. Well, the good news is, I don't think that the framing exactly worked. I don't think that Shepard thought for even a second that I just, like, bloody eagle the fucking guy well yeah because she said you're uh you're a person of interest not a suspect yeah i mean which i should be my name was on the body yeah you're gonna call rickard you said yep hi there my little gem what's up that's adorable and i wish i could like play into that like as like but i can't right now and i go hey that is cute unfortunately there is a situation with with laser hawk oh is is he okay physically Yes, um, there was a crime scene, and God, this is awful. There is basically a copycat of something that happened to one of the soldiers he served with in the Middle East, done to another soldier, and they literally wrote the words Laserhawk. Oh my God, that's horrifying. He's not feeling great, I'll be honest. He's going to go tell his ex-wife about it because, I mean, if they know about his military service, they might know more about his civilian life than any of us would want. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree entirely. Um, Yeah. How about the lot of y'all come down to Union uh, in a little while here? All right. He's heading to Beverly's house right now. And when he gets back, I, I'll be honest, I just, I just hope he doesn't go off drinking right away. It's. Let him tell her, let her blow some steam off. I'll go tell Kevin, uh, just a lot of you, I say come down to Union and, you know, we'll we'll throw we'll throw, throw some st stuff at the wall until we figure out what sticks. Shepard was the one who saw it, and apparently he's a person of interest, which fair, his name is on. He's had a hard life to be begin with. He doesn't need to be reminded about this shit. Listen, he's got a lot of us helping him out. I'm sure he's going to be fine. If there's one person we all know who can tough it out is Laserhawk. We're, we're going to be there for him, Ruby. Don't worry. Thank you, honey. 
All right. I'll see y'all in a little bit. See you in a little bit. We hop back over. Brock has gone from North End to downtown, back to North End, and now to the Centennial, which is like north, uh, Northwest. Just bouncing around. People have seen a lot of laser hat flying around today. Inspiring some hope in the people. So hopefully they don't find about the body with his name. It's okay. I didn't call Shauna. Now, Bev's at work, so you arrive at Riverside General West. Gonna imagine you change out of your Laserhawk outfit. If anything, just an idea that maybe you land on the roof and make your way down. I was just about to pinch that, actually. Uh, but yeah, I imagine that Brock does, like, pop up on the roof. Uh, at this point, he's, like, probably gotten his jacket to the point where, like, he can flip it inside out and it looks like another jacket. Yeah, we've always kind of talked about that. That's his main way of hiding his uh, persona is is the very different jacket designs. Yeah, I do that. Take off a domino mask. I don't know. Maybe pull a fashionable driver's cap out of my back pocket, throw that on my head before I hop down. I was thinking you were going to say like a ponytail or a bun. Oh, I definitely slap my hair in a ponytail if I'm putting a hat on. Come on, dude. That's how you get really bad hat hair. Okay. Hey, listen, it's been a long time since I had long hair. So you're able to make your way down to her floor. She's, you know, an administrator. So the secretary kind of gives you a once over, like this is kind of a scraggly fellow coming in to see Bev buzzes over and says, <laughs> uh, Miss, Miss Moore, uh, you have a visitor, a, uh, Mr. Bolea. And you hear Bev go, oh, uh, yeah, send him back. Uh, and, and push back my two o'clock. I, Brock feels touched at that. So you walk in, uh, and she's, in a standard kind of business uh, jacket and skirt, a maroon shade, and her hair is also pulled back into like a into a bun. She takes off her reading glasses as you walk in. Hey, uh, I know you said you wanted to talk. I figured it would be after work. What's got you so uh, so jumpy? <clears throat> um, you look nice today. Uh, he kind of sits down. That causes her to cock an eyebrow because like. Not that you're, like, rude, but it's been a long time since you've complimented her in that way. I'm really hoping that I'm jumping the gun and being paranoid right now. Um, you said that you always wanted to know more about my time in Iraq. I fear that some of it might have come back. You always told me you were worried something like that could happen, so, I mean, what, what's, what's happening? I don't want to say too much. Mostly because I don't want you to think about this as thoroughly as I have all these years. Um, I've alluded to the fact that we got stabbed in the back. Yeah. Three of the post-human platoon went rogue. They killed a good man on the way out. Killed a lot of good men, but one of them in particular, they made a uh, theatrical event. Those three are dead. But I just saw a perfect recreation of that murder. My name is carved onto the corpse, Bev. They know your name? They know Laserhawk. Okay, so they know... Oh, that's your hero persona. And I guess they know that that was a name used over there, so that's... They also know exactly how Ensign was killed. That's top secret, Bev. Sure. Is That's this... not something that you could get on fucking WikiLeaks. Could it be somebody in the Majestic 12? Uh, I haven't ruled that out. Um, You always told me those, those characters were shady. They are, but I... They've got easier ways to get a hold of me. I go in for testing every fucking five years, you know? 
be a hell of a way for them to get out. I'm not ruling it out. I just you've just always you've always said that they wanted to bring you back into the fold. Uh, that's a hell of a way of going about it. I I just wanted to let you know because they know at least a lot about Laserhawk. I don't know how deep that goes, so I want you to at least be aware enough to be aware. I'll go pick up Carl tonight uh, from Robotics Club. Good, good, good. Um, I'm scared, Bev. I know, Brock. Every part of me wants to go ballistic, drown myself in a fifth, and burn this city to the fucking ground until I figure out who that was. Brock, I get you're scared, but you can't do that again. You can't just you can't just burn bridges and take off if just because things are getting getting worse. You you're making something here. I know. That's why I came to you. Get out there and find these fuckers. Yeah. Let me know when you have Carl. We'll do. Just take care of yourself, okay? Carl needs his father. Yeah. I leave the same way I came. All right. And what are the other? What are the rest of y'all doing in the meantime? Uh, I'm going with uh, Ruby to go see Rickard at Union to see what we can do to help. I'm going to send a text to Laserhawk like, hey, Rickard asked us to come down to Union whenever you have a chance. I'm heading over there now. Uh, Visual Aid, you and Hornet and Yardak all arrive. And when you get there, the other um, agents that are sometimes stationed there aren't. Uh, Right now, it's just uh, Rickard and Lewis just kind of pouring over some documentation. Hey, we're we're still waiting for for Laserhawk, but... I figured we could come by, give you a hand with, if there's anything we could help with. And Lewis looks up and goes, I reached out to Shepard, uh, asked to get some of the crime scene photos so that I could uh, I could take a look at him. You said this is related to something that happened to Laserhawk overseas? Yeah, he said basically, it sounded like basically a copycat of something that happened to one of the soldiers. But he said that the perpetrators of that are dead, as far as he knows. So much of uh, the of Laserhawk's file over there is redacted. We don't really have a lot of access to it. Yeah, I've got bits and pieces. Like I can put together dates, and I can put together you know little bits of information. But you know, the fact that there was some kind of uh, event like that is not really documented on our end. He even said that the people who would even be aware of this, basically him, Data Kraken, and um, the Midnight Gang. Gotcha. But none of those people make sense to perpetrate this. Yeah, Midnight Gang is uh, is all locked up. I don't know how they even could. Yeah, that's super weird. Lewis kind of sits on his chair and kind of leans back, and he's just kind of staring off into space for a little bit. And Pam kind of just looking over some of the documentation, looks over at you, Yardak. Atlantean military ever have to deal with stuff like this? I'm not nothing like this. I mean, copycats are a thing, regardless. But the, this specific, no, not that I can think of. And and Pam just looks at some of the, the crime scene photos. It's got to mean something. The wings, right? He just learned how to fly. That's true. There's also the hawk imagery. Oh, Brandon just put that piece together. Laser hawk? No. The wings. I would describe the wings as uh, stretching up and outward in either directions. Very, very thin, long feathers. And the detailing is pretty specific. You know, it does not look like Laserhawk's image that he has on that old on that old suit. Does it look like a hawk wing at all? No. 
Can we say that Ruby says that out loud and that's the point where Brock comes in? Sure. So I, I think what Ruby's saying is it doesn't look like a hawk wing at all. Because it's not a hawk. It's a vulture. And I pick the picture back up. This was Blood Vulture's signature. He was one of the other members of the post-human platoon. And I kind of lay the uh, photograph back on the desk. Once you have recontextualized this, it definitely looks like a, like a vulture's wings, like a vulture raising its wings to fly. And with the chain marks around the neck, that is the signature of Chain Buffalo. The only one of the deserters I didn't really see there was Ash Lion represented. I understand why you might not want to say this. Are, did you see all of their bodies? Are you sure they're dead? You see an explosion that big after being covered with that much of someone else's blood. Yeah, I think it's safe to assume that they're dead. Although, now that you've put the thought into my head, no, I didn't see their bodies. I just, I don't understand who would even know about this. The only reason I thought of it. Lewis pops up out of his thousand-yard stare. Laserock, when, uh, when did this happen? Summer 2004, Lewis. Hard, hard to imagine how long you've been doing this. Almost 20 years. Over 20 years, shit. Gotcha. Our records of what you were up to are, are I was just telling a lot of them, very sparse. Um, you know, we, we have pretty good records of what you did once you got back stateside, but, you know, your military record is as much mystery as to us as it was to the allies here. Operation Coffee Pot was officially in existence for under two years. Not a whole lot of documentation to go over. The members were myself, Dana Kraken, the Midnight Gang, the three deserters I just mentioned, Glutton Gibbon, and Medic Mouse. Those two are dead, as are the deserters. It's about what I can offer there without official clearance. Have you talked to Data Kraken at all about this? See if he knows anything, and also warn him in case they're going after people from the- and Brock's eyes go wide. Hang on a minute. And I walk out to call him. Hey, uh, hey, Lizrock, uh, what's up? You, you need me to look something up? I'm just say it's been, uh, been a hell of a day here. I need you to get a fucking drink. Because you're not going to like anything that's going to come out of my mouth. Brock, that's not a great way to start a conversation. <laughs> I was at the crime scene today. That looked just like Ensign's. I, 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 I don't know how that could even happen. Uh, I mean, those records were sealed. Our guys are dead or, or captured or. I know, Kraken. But whoever fucking did that knows a whole lot about me. Because my name was carved on the fucking corpse. Brock, this, uh, this, this, uh, when did you, when did you find this? Was this today? Hours ago at this point. I'm on, I'm on my way to Riverside right now. I was gonna, I was gonna let you know once I was there, but I, I'm, I'm coming for work. When are you gonna be getting here? And when can we meet? Live data cracking? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna be landing soon. Uh, jeez. I, like I said, I'm just, I, I, you got me nervous, Brock. That's cause I'm nervous, kid. Serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. Okay. You have my address, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, all of my equipment's installed on the thing. At a minimum, I can GPS it, but no, I have your address. 
and don't worry, it's behind it's behind multiple VPNs and firewalls. My my stuff's secure. I trust you wholeheartedly. Meet me at the hut. Make yourself at home until I get there. If you need it, I got a room for you. Um, and you get off the phone, and you still see Lewis just kind of staring into space as well. This Intel Drop is brought to you by the Masks of Mayhem merch store. Curly Exclamation Point is a 28-year-old pop singer whose first album came out 10 years ago, 2014. It was more of a pop-punk sound with the band Curly and the Soundwaves, which was also the name of the album. They all met at their high school in New Jersey. Curly then struck out on their own as a solo act, releasing the pop album Rise in 2017, which got critical acclaim, though many questioned Curly's team's choice of touring locations and partners. The next album, Yours Truly, came out in 2020, which got middling reviews, but the real fans loved it. In 2024, the album Crashing Waves released, and included a collaboration with Carly Rae Jepsen titled Carly Infinity. Carly is currently dating Noah Fritz, former drummer for Carly and the Soundwaves. The two of them reconnected while working on Carly's latest album, which both critics and fans adored. This Intel Drop is brought to you by the Mask of Mayhem merch store. Want to get a cool shirt with a union logo or a Clash Club poster? We've got all of that at mayhemcast.creator-spring.com. Rickard has kind of like made his way next to you, uh, Ruby, and he's kind of put his hand on yours. I kind of like put my thumb up so I can kind of like squeeze like his like hand. Pam looking over crime scene photos. You've got Rickard kind of uh, standing with Ruby. You've got Kevin Lewis staring out into space. What's Yardak up to? <sighs> Wondering how everything got so fucked up when we were having such a nice time. I don't really know how to help in this situation, so I feel kind of useless. Because normally, you know, being in the military, you know, being prepared is just the fucking basics. So I to be completely at a loss and unable to help my friend and not knowing anything about the topic, really, I, I don't like it. Okay, that's fair. So you're a little disoriented as well. Laserhawk, as you're looking around the room and seeing all of these people working, what are what are your thoughts? I feel like in a couple hours, I'm going to really appreciate this moment where the people who I care about the most were all there for me when I needed them. But right in this instant, I'm in work mode. I am pouring over every document, every picture, Everything that is before me, trying to figure out what I'm missing. Uh, and you get a text from Bev saying that she's picked up Carl. They're heading home. They've got the house secured. I hit it with the heart emoji instead of my usual thumbs up, which I can imagine does nothing for Bev's concern for me. You're probably not wrong. Uh, and you get a message from Carl. Dad, is something up? Mom came and picked me up from school today. Things are weird right now. That's all I can really- Can I help? You can help by keeping eyes on the back of your head. I know that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. I know I told you I wouldn't keep secrets from you. I will fill you in on everything when it is time. But I've been doing so good at the football practice. Son, do you trust me? Of course. I need you to trust me the same way that I trust you. Can you do that? Yeah, Dad. Just be safe. Same to you, son. Hey, come on. I'm Laserhawk. Dad, I've talked to you about this. You probably shouldn't have that in a text message. <laughs> <laughs>
It's okay. I spelled it with an S and I put a space in there. They'll never know. Wink. Besides, act like I haven't already downloaded Signal and exclusively text my son on that. Come on. Wow, that's the, that's the best unpaid advertisement we've ever done. You too can have end-to-end encrypted messaging. Secure for journalists, secure for you. I think at some point, Lewis goes, all right, I think we should, we should break, get some food. What time is it? It's about 6 p.m. And I go, do you want pizza? And then I, I make a pizza. Ruby, I mean, sure. I, wait, wait, give me, give me a slice one second. As he's eating the pizza. I'm just saying that like, we should get out of this room. We should, we should clear our heads a little bit. That's fair. Honestly, being able to make food has saved me so much money these last couple of weeks. And Rickard rolls his eyes and goes, I'll cover your bill. That is not the point. Uh, I think at that point, Lewis like snaps in front of your face. Get up. We're going out. We're going to get some food. We're going to clear our heads and we're going to get back to it. On your feet, soldier. Lewis, not that one. Not right now. He puts a hand on your shoulder. Come on, man. Step away. Clear your head. Get back to 100%. Yeah. Um, sorry for snap. Yeah. Gives your shoulder a little squeeze. You're fine. Brock shuffles off. I'm not even going to try to fly. Whose fucking car am I getting in? Oh, well, nobody decided on where you were going. What, uh, what was it? Club 808? We need food. Oh, that too. Moby Dick's? Well, there's a hot dog stand down the street. I mean, it's not much, but it'll get us outside for a little bit. You know, a little bit of cold air. It's what I, it's what I always grab. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. And so you get down the street to the corner and the hot dog stand guy's like, hey, I was just getting ready to wrap up for the day. Uh, glad we caught you before you did. Uh, one for each, two for each. How many are we doing? Brock pulls a $50 bill out, slides it to the man. At least three for me and then whatever they want. All right, so you're all getting hot dogs. How does everyone get their hot dogs, actually? This is just, it's just a fun little aside. Brock is eating his feelings. I am getting four different hot dogs done up four different ways. Do you have all beef hot dogs? Yeah, of course. Just mustard and ketchup in both of mine. All right, and he does them all up and he hands it to you. And for you, ah, I did not know Atlanteans liked hot dogs. Uh, Yardak gets his hot dogs just like me. Just some ketchup, please. Uh, yes. I can finally answer the question because I've Googled what each of the dogs are. Oh my god. <laughs> what are you doing? Give me a New York style. Give me a Chicago style. Give me a Fenway Frank. And give me a Coney. I don't have any Fenway Franks. I can do the rest. I can give you a Riverside. Alright. But only because I'm in the city. As everyone does when they're eating a hot dog, I'm sure you all look real attractive. Nom 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 nom. nom. As you're eating, you turn around, Brock, and you see a familiar face. A short, blonde-haired woman you know as Megan that you haven't seen in some time. Holy shit. Hi. Oh, wow. Brock, what are the odds? Uh, Hi. Um, would you like a hot dog? (laughs) Oh, um, no, no, no. I just had a real big salad, but thank you. No problem. Um, I am real sus of Megan now. Not because she eats salads, because she just fucking showed up. Uh, these are my friends. Um, oh, hello, friends. Hi there. Hi. And can I ask your name? Oh, uh, hi. I'm Megan. And she goes to shake your hand. Hi, I'm Ruby. 
Ruby, it's so nice to meet you. And I shake her hand. Uh, Yardak here. Nice to meet you. I've seen you on TV. It happens every now and again, yeah. Shakes hands with Rickard, shakes hands with Lewis, shakes hands with Pam, shakes and uh, doesn't recognize Pam, though, because the last time they saw each other, uh, Pam was all horneted up. And also shakes hands with the hot dog vendor. You know what? He deserves it. And after we get past his long, drawn-out backstory, I, uh, I, I didn't think I'd run into you. I mean, I was going to reach out to you since I was in town. Um, cards on the table. I'm so happy to see you. I think I'm having the third worst day of my life. Well, that's no good. It's been a hell of a day, and it's reminded me of some things I've tried very hard to forget. So there's that. I am very happy to see you, though. Um, Gotcha. And she goes in for a hug. I fucking melt into it. Are you kidding me? And as you're, you know, melting into this hug, you're feeling rejuvenated in a way that you haven't felt since you got that call all day. I melt into it harder, the fuck? And then she kind of takes a step back and you almost kind of, I think, realizes your weight is on her and she kind of has to, like, push you back a little bit. Um, fuck. Uh, sorry about that. I guess I... No, it's okay. Do you feel better? Yeah. Good. Yeah, I do. Thank you. Holy shit, hi, um, y- you're here. I'm here, yeah. I- I'm-, I'm sorry you're having such a bad day. Uh, can I help? Or is this like a is this like a private thing? I can totally make myself scarce. I'll be in town for a while. Your just being here is more helpful than I could possibly describe right now. Please, let's talk about you for a while. What brings you into town? Oh, well, I told you I was traveling around and I ended up doing a big loop down into the south and making my way up the coast. And it's just been a really cool little journey. Uh, New York got boring really quickly, though. So I'm in Riverside now. How does New York get boring? It's just so it's so confined by comparison. There's too, so many people packed together. It's just too much for me. I mean, I know Riverside is is much more, I don't know, evenly distributed. Less boring, more overwhelming is probably. Yeah, yeah, that seems like the right word. That make, that makes sense. While you were down south, you, uh, I don't know, you visit, like, Sunset Beach? Always heard that place was cool. Always meant to go. Oh, uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of, like, super warm places. I mean, I got I got a little further down, but I, I decided not to go all that way far down. I, I heard good things, too. Ah, I finally figured it out. What? Norwegian, huh? What what's a Norwegian? Oh, I just uh what's a Norwegian? Well, um Norway's a country. Oh, right. Of course. Right. Um sorry, I just No one's ever accused no one's ever accused me of being one before, so I just was like a little thrown off, I guess. Accused? That's uh understandable. I am so sorry that my mastery of the English language seems to be failing me today. Um no, I just thought blonde hair, like cold weather. I thought, um, I don't know. Oh, well, maybe I'll check that out next. Uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, uh, I heard it's lovely this time of year. I, I, I'm nudging Ruby and being like, he has a crush. I know. Is he flirting? Do you think this is how he flirted with, like, Beverly and Anthony? If this got him a kid, then I'm fucking impressed. 
They're seriously sitting here judging my rants on what I've already said is the third worst day of my life. I'm starting to wonder if my friends are really my friends. Well, that's how you know they're your friends. This is 100% how friends act. And I think it's at that moment that you get a call on your phone from Data Kraken. Um, give me two seconds here. This is work-related. Hey. Hey. I, uh, I, 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 I've been doing some sleuthing, of course. I'm, I'm at the hut, of course, obviously. Uh, I, I arrived, and I got all set up. You really, I, I'm gonna have to revamp this whole thing. You have not been taking care of this. Anyway, 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 anyway. Yeah, I tried reaching out to some old contacts, and we've got a lot of stuff that I'm locked out of now. You're locked out of. Yeah, like, they, they took this off the net. Fascinating. I, I, I don't know even who to contact anymore because all of my people are telling me, you know, if, if my access isn't there, my access isn't there. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flailing a little bit here, Brock. And I, uh, I, I think I'd, I'd prefer actually not to be alone at your house, I think, actually right now. I fully understand. I can be there soon. I appreciate you as always, Kate. All right. Uh, uh, cracking out. I imagine that I almost go to instinctively fly away before I remember where I am and whom I'm surrounded by, and I kind of try to pivot that into just naturally turning toward my friends. And Lewis looks at you and goes, what's up? Mr. Deckard is currently at my place of employment, and I think it would be best if I went to meet him. Okay, do you want the lot, a lot of us to tag along? We've got, uh, say, I've got my car. It's like, I've, I've got my vehicle, too. As I look at the lady, I don't know. Megan's still here, just looking around and smiling. You guys keep looking over the case here. I can catch a vroom uh, back. Obviously, if one of us finds anything out, we can contact the other and uh, take it from there. Unless any of you guys want to come with me, I won't tell you now. And Lewis looks at the lot of you and says, seems like a time to go back to the location. Uh, good as any. Yep. This is a whole awkward night, and that's coming from me. I glare daggers at Yarnak. <laughs> Rickard goes, I'll, I'll go back to the office, I'll gather up all the documentation, and I'll bring it on over. Appreciate you as always, Rickard. Uh, and that's when Lewis looks at you, Brock, and says, you ride with me. You got it. Uh, and I turn to Megan. I am... So sorry for how strange this was. Um, are you going to be in town for long? Maybe I can make it up to you over dinner. I'd love that. Yeah, you've got my number. Uh, well, tell me when. Tell me where. We'll figure something out. Sounds good to me. Um, it was really good seeing you, Megan. You too, Brock. And she looks at the lot of you and goes, "Bye, friends. Bye, hot dog guy. <laughs> Bye, Megan. Nice to meet you. Thank you for the hot dogs." Rickard's going to the office. He'll get on his motorcycle. He'll meet you over there. The rest of y'all, it sounds like you're heading towards the van, except for Lewis and Brock that are going back to uh, his car. I'm sure this is going to be a fun car ride. We're probably going to sing Carly Ray. No, you're not in our car. Sorry. Actually, what you're listening to in the visual van, the newly released collaboration between Carly Ray, Jepsen, and Carly! Exclamation Point. Yeah. And it's just called Carly. I was thinking Carly Infinity, but... And when you get back in the car with Lewis... He starts driving and he says, I'm sorry that you're having such a rough day. I appreciate that, Lewis. I think I've got someone I can reach out to. Who have you got? I think my dad could help us out. Your dad? Uh, yeah. He's, uh, 
he's someone important, and I don't know how much detail I can go into because I don't know what all is uh, is public on his end. A lot of that going around, I can understand it. But if you really, really want me to, I'll reach out to him. Let's exhaust a few options before we do that. Okay. We're all here for you, Brock. I hope you know that. <sighs> I know. Um, accepting the help's just, I guess, not new to me, but new again, if that makes sense. Hey, it's uh, it's been a while since you've had a real situation that called for it. Usually you're the one jumping in to help everyone else out. Don't forget that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's also been a while since I've been this deep in the pit, Lewis. Chapter 76 The Midnight Wars, Part 1 Masks and Mayhem uses the game Mutants and Masterminds 3rd Edition by our friends at Green Ronin Publishing. Check the link in the show notes to get your own copy of the game. You can also help support us by making a one-time donation or becoming a monthly member through our Ko-Fi. That's at ko-fi.com slash mayhemcast. The episode was written, produced, and forced to reckon with its own past by myself, R.C. Byler, with production assistance by Pope Brandon Brownson. Our logo art is by Jen Evans, and our font is by A.J. Eisen. Our theme music is by Pope Brandon Brownson. Additional social media links blog posts, and episodes can be found on our website at masksandmayhem.com. Pressing ass night, you know, outside the glizzy guzzling. I honestly, okay, would we like to hear my theories on Megan? Hit me with whatever theories you got. I love hearing your theories. I don't, I don't fucking red screen as much as Dan. I think she's working with Kit on whatever Kit's working on. Cause she entered town the same, pretty much the same time he did. And the killer, she's the killer and or part of the group of killers. See, Dan red strings more than I do. <laughs> so what do we think of this episode? Sorry, Laserhawk. Oh man, I I did not realize how heavy of a season this was going to be for Brock right out of the fucking gate. Uh as someone who loves storytelling, that's great. As someone who loves Brock Balea, big oof. I mean, you're also saying right out of the gate, but this is chapter four of eighteen, so I mean, yeah, but uh, it's not like the last three episodes of exact. Well, the first episode is pretty easy breezy, lemon peasy. The last two episodes. Was it? Uh, the first one where I got to go to the underground with my kid. Yeah, that was nice. That was the second episode of the season. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. First one, we went to space. Okay. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Well, then let me rephrase. I've had one episode this season where things have been easy, squeezy, lemon, peasy for Brock. Beyond that, yeah, things have been pretty heavy for Brock so far. You know, first there was the whole alien invasion thing, then it was running moral support for Pam, 
which kind of delved into both of our PTSDs. Then there was the whole mystery box of sadness that had my suit in it. And now we're diving into the Midnight Wars. Yeah, it's been a pretty heavy season so far. Meanwhile, I got to spend Christmas with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) And I will apologize to a certain degree because I do think the balance was significantly more tilted than intended that this was not a very Ruby and Yardak heavy episode. Let me learn the disturbing backstory. Yeah, I'll say I'm glad that Megan got to meet everybody. I am so fucking surprised. I shouldn't be, but I am so surprised that you threw that smack dab in the middle of, like, everything else that this episode entailed. Yeah, I, uh, when I, when you want me to zig, I'm gonna zag. But it felt, I don't know, it felt thematically appropriate to me. Like, now that, like, it's happened, it's like, oh yeah, of course that was gonna happen this episode. How did I do with Brock? I think you did great. You got really fucking into it. I just fucking realized that we are about to be going on our winter break. Yeah. So I get to sit and marinate on this fucking cliffhanger of what's to come. Yeah. Remember when I was left in space? (laughs) Remember when I was left in space? (laughs) For like a year? Yeah. I do want to hear your perspectives on the episode, though, Dan and Rachel. Uh, it was really good. It was really interesting hearing because I feel like we'd only got vague, like fucked up shit happening when he was in the military. And it's cool to be like, oh, here's the fucked up shit. Here's what happened. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a downer episode, but not in a bad way, but like in a really good storytelling way. Yeah, I felt like this was unavoidable with some of the, the plot lines that were being set up. Something that you really excel at, like I will come at you with a big comic book feeling idea and you can like take that big goofy something and really break it down into um what ultimately is a stronger product oh well thank you i just like my favorite part is trying to figure out how to weave it into the tapestry of like the season like all of these things that you all have asked for how to make them flow together like i give you a whole lot of meaty goodness but you give it bones if that makes sense all right hit me with the bone man voice (laughs) all right zero days since bone man last appearance i guess we're gonna i'm gonna do final thoughts let's start with uh brandon Uh, (laughs) fucking shit i'm stressed bro that's fair dan yeah i can get you dr bellum's number (laughs) <laughs> dude for real season three might have to end with brock finally sitting in on like dr we Bellum. haven't seen dr bellum in a while for just just worth mentioning i guess ruby lost her health insurance oh, oh shit maybe <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly uh rachel how much fucking tragic backstory is it possible to unlock with one character? Jesus Christ, Laserhawk. <laughs> what, his fiance died, and he had traumatic war stuff, and he got broken up with uh, with a different person, and he has a kid who didn't like him for a little bit, and he accidentally killed someone? You're just describing Oliver Queen. 